Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson razor. Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Wake up at Holiday Inn Express to a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. Count on all the hot, fresh coffee you need and an incredible breakfast buffet that has something for everyone, like eggs, cinnamon rolls, and even hot, fresh pancakes with all the toppings you crave. Next time, do yourself a favor and stay at a Holiday Inn Express with a can't-miss breakfast that's free with every stay. So, when you wake up at Holiday Inn Express, you'll wake up happy, a part of IHG Hotels and Resorts. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. It is me, Matt, hosting again this week. Luke is having a week off. Joining me uh, today are two people who both had late nights by the sounds of things. First off, we journey over to Virginia. Mo Walker's back on the show. How are you, Mo? I'm glad to be here. Thank you. What were you up to last night? Tell the tell the listeners. I was serving beer for a young alumni event that my university holds, and I'm part of a uh, social group, and we have a nonprofit status, so we're eligible to work these types of events and get money for our organization. So it was kind of a long night of just pouring hard cider, giving out alcoholic seltzers. I mean, it was just, you pay a ticket, you come in there, it was all you could drink, and and eat as well for one good price and then they shut it down at midnight and they kick everybody out but my wife and i had already left by that point they told us to cut the taps off about um <laughs> 20 minutes before uh midnight shut down our station and we were gone so <laughs> what time is it there with you now 9 a.m yeah right? 9 a.m yeah. as ever a trooper mo getting up that early in the morning for us and we thank you for that also joining us, a bit of a cliffhanger from last week. Um, she was making her singing de- singing debut, or certainly was was putting on a performance for her mother's 80th birthday. Oh. Dawn Glenn is with us. How are you, Dawn? How 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 was I'm, it last uh, night? Give us a full. Uh, I'm shattered. I'm shattered. It was very good. Did we stick with the Beauty and the Beast theme? I did. Okay, and, and I really regretted that. <laughs> Because once I started practicing it, I discovered, wow, that's not in a key I can sing. And so so I kind of had to change key midway through the song. But thankfully, due to technical problems, uh, there is no recording of it. So, well, there is, but you can't hear what I'm singing. The sound wasn't very good. So, blessedly... The world will be saved from... Right? Oh, don't worry, we were looking forward to that. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's... Listen how sad Mo sounds, Dawn. You've let Mo oh. down. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. I feel after that really sort of light-hearted introduction, we have got possibly the darkest collection of shows that we've ever had <laughs> on the podcast. Quite a high body count all in all, and quite gruesome on the whole as well. So we've got a collection of true crime and spooky stuff to present to you. We've got 
Candy, which is Jessica Biel, uh, true crime drama. That is all on Disney Plus uh, from today, from Wednesday. A Friend of the Family, which is on Peacock and now here in the UK, and I believe on Peacock in the US. That is another true crime drama starring Anna Paquin, Colin Hanks and Jake Lacey. The TV adaptation of uh, the Swedish vampire novel, Let the Right One In. And uh, Wreck, which is a new thriller from uh, BBC Three. But first of all, we'll do the plugs. Have we got any updates on either of your podcast, guys? Dawn, I'm assuming we're still in sort of... We're still editing the ER episode, are we? It's finished! Today as we are as we are recording. Okay, so, so by the time you hear this, the ER episode of uh, ER episode, but it is an hour and a half long. So you know, settle in. <laughs> well, it is a long show. There are there are many seasons, so there's a lot of What about uh, Geek Confidential? What, are you on hiatus at the moment, or have we got any new episodes <laughs> to look forward to? Or um, yeah, we're on a we're on a bit of a hiatus right now. Given the changing landscape of American television, particularly with the CW, which is, you know, one of the big networks that we cover because of their genre shows being bought and changing and so forth, we're kind of just kind of figuring it out. Plus, it's just such a deluge of shows, you know, it's just kind of figuring out what we want to really tackle. So we'll have some new episodes hopefully soon. And where can we find your podcast? Sorry, because Dawn, I realized I sort of cut you off halfway through that. Where can we find your podcast? Uh, the Shipyard UST uh, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube and Spotify. You can find us, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, um, all the various podcatchers, etc. Wherever et you get your podcasts, I think is the yes. <laughs> We're the Custard TV podcast. We have got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes uh, that you can uh, delve back into the back catalogues of. And the news this week that ITV are um, going back to ITV1 again. It realised how long we've been going because I remember when we did a podcast when they changed and we made the joke that ITV had dropped one. So there you go. That's how, <laughs> how often it's changed over the years. And um, up on uh, the website, thecustomtv.com, Luke has uh, written a review of The Bear. Did you watch The Bear, Mo? No, I haven't. I have not watched The Bear. Everyone around me likes and raves about The Bear, but um, we have not invited The Bear into our <laughs> house yet. Mo, there's not an actual bear in it. If I, if no, I... no, no, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will promote as well that the the upcoming TV section that myself and Luke work quite hard on it is updated on almost like a daily basis. Anything that we learn that's coming to either terrestrial or streaming, it's up there. The dates, if they get announced, are up there as well. Um, the podcast you can find on, as as the other guy said, all your podcast apps of choice. And please rate, review and subscribe. Uh, if you'd like to be another voice, please get in touch with us. Um, on Twitter is probably the best way, at Luke Custard TV, at Matt's TV Bytes, at Custard TV Pod or by emailing reviews with an S on the end, at gmail.com. And you can also, if you would like to write for the site, get in touch that way as well. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. reviews at gmail.com. 
First off this week is Candy. It is a true crime drama. It stars Jessica Biel. It is set in the 1980s and Dawn Glenn will be talking us through this. Yeah, it starts off set in Wiley, Texas, which is a you know, very suburban area. And we see Candy Montgomery, who's played by Jessica Biel, going about her average day as a busy mom of two from Jason and Becky. And Becky's best friend is Christina, the daughter of uh, another couple who go to the same church as Candy and her husband Pat. They are the Gores, Betty and Alan. Uh, Betty played by Melanie Linsky, I think it's pronounced. You'll know from uh, Yellow Jackets. And her husband is played by uh, Pablo Schreiber from uh, On TV Black and uh, American Gods. We see that they're very typical church-going American suburban family. It's the summer holidays, so there's a Bible school for the kids in the mornings. Candy will be taking them along. And the Montgomery family decide they're going to go and see Empire Strikes Back in the afternoon. And Christina can come along. So she phones Betty and says, can she come? But yes, but she has to go swimming before. So you need to pick up her suit. So Candy arranges that she's going to go and pick up swimming costume from Betty's house. Betty's husband, Alan, is going away for business for the weekend. She's not happy about it. She has a young baby at home. Doesn't seem to be dealing very well with that. Also thinks she might be pregnant again. And Candy leaves the church group to run some errands. We see her go to Betty's house and Betty lets her in. And then we just see the front door close and a lingering shot. Next thing we see is Candy is perhaps driving erratically her hair is wet, she goes home, we see her changing, and she goes back to the Bible school and says, I was late, my watch stopped. Meanwhile, uh, Betty's husband, every time he tries to phone home, he's not getting an answer. And as the uh, the first episode progresses, we see him get more and more desperate, and eventually he asks his neighbours to check on his wife, why isn't she answering the phone? And after much uh, back and forth, the enter the house and find Betty dead. They think she's shot, but uh, it turns out she's been killed with an axe which was uh, wielded 41 times in a a very passionate murder. Uh, The rest of the series goes on to explore what happened before this, the year or so before what led up to the events that Candy murdered her friend and how that came to be and the resulting court case which comes from it. What did you think of it, Mo? I enjoyed the performances by Jessica Biel and uh, Melanie Linsky. I've actually been a fan of Melanie Linsky going back to her stint on Two and a Half Men years and years ago. Um, I'm not a big true crime person. So I had to kind of, you know, set aside my dislike of, of that genre. But I can say that you didn't see Jessica Biel. You saw Candy Montgomery. You saw this frazzled suburban mom. Because in my mind, I, I've encountered people like this. You know, they're, they're over-programmed. Even now, this is 1980, and we're talking the 2020s. I've encountered people who over-programmed trying to get their kids to vacation Bible school, you know, swim lessons, all this other stuff. So, you can see her becoming unfrayed and unglued. And on the flip side, you, you have Melanie Litsky. Personally, I think that character is suffering some sort of depression or, or some sort of postpartum depression or something along those lines. Timothy Simmons, 
he reminded me of his Veep character, but just <laughs> less goofy. I mean, jo- just, Jonah was it in Veep? Yeah, no, yeah, Jonah. The first episode really does a really great job. You get a feel for these families before Candy murders Betty. Overall, I, I think this first episode does a really good job of setting things up. The one hiccup that I really had with this first episode was towards the end when you had the group of neighbors making their way into the Gore household to see what happened. I mean, it just looked like a comedy troupe. It was a little... This is what us Brits think Americans are like. You know, they're all armed with their guns. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was very much The Simpsons. I feel like a lot of people are stroking guns. This is Texas, so, you know, okay, okay. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, in the 80s. But I do like the line, uh, Alan, Alan Gore, when, he, when he's told that his wife has been killed with a gun, he's like, we don't own a gun! <laughs> like, like you, you know, true crime, it isn't my sort of priority. I do enjoy, if something's done well, like, um, I mean, the, the writer here was involved in the act, which is one of mine and Luke's favourites, which is a little bit different, you know than like your typical murder mystery uh the the writer in question is nick antosca who's also involved with the next show we're going to talk about a uh, friend of the family i was drawn in by this more than i thought i would be a lot of it is due to jessica beale it is very wiggy and actually when she comes back from the house and it has got the blood over her that is the bit you go, oh that's jessica beale because as you said mo before that she's so sort of in capture encapsulates the character that you're in it with her i think it helps that this is all set over the course of a day it's very sort of on the edge of your seat you know something's happened but it takes to the end with the three guys going into the house that you actually realize what's happened i felt really bad for what's happened to the baby because i didn't know what happened what happened in the story at all and thankfully the baby was, was all right Pablo Schreiber's performance as well, I thought, was very good as the husband. Obviously, he goes uh, on business, so he is increasingly worried about his wife not answering his phone calls. He can't concentrate on dinner. He's having to sort of organise this from afar. He's got the very disinterested neighbour that he first rings. It's very well done. I don't know if I will go on. I know there's only five episodes, so it is quite compact, but didn't grab me in oh i have to watch the next episode and i think part of that maybe is to do with the fact that it is a true crime there isn't a lot of mystery to it really i suppose it's more the reason behind it rather than who uh, who done it is sort of a, again like a, a why done it it's good that they're doing it in flashbacks because we get a load more of melanie linsky who i absolutely love the production design of it all was really well done as well i thought and the music it wasn't as sort of obvious as some of the other scores that are in the shows that we're talking about this week. It was all very sort of heightened to almost surreal levels, if that makes sense. This is a happy place to live, but there is something under the underbelly. Dawn, how many episodes did you watch? And we're back. How are we doing, Anna? Well, Todd, things are heating up. 
Ooh, yes, Nelson with the jalapeno poppers. Incredible. Ramirez comes in hot with a cheeseburger, patty, lettuce, tomatoes. Beautiful formation. Is he? <gasps> He's going for it. Ramirez grabs the Duke's mayo. Look at it go. The twang. Anna, this is the best tailgate I've ever commentated on. Tailgate with twang. Get the official mayo of the tailgate. Duke's mayo today. I watched it all. <laughs> <laughs> So, so as a series as a whole, rather than myself and Mo yes. both watching the first episode, did it did it work for you or? It did. I, I agree in the sense that I, true crime isn't something I'm naturally drawn to. I think the performances of Jessica Biel and Melanie Linsky were key to it, and also the exploration of the suburban underbelly, as you mentioned. I grew up in the church, and <laughs> nobody was having an affair that I know of this whole life that they laid where all the couples were sort of interconnected and they end up attending this thing called marriage encounter which is a little bit culty but it's obviously supposed to be like couples go to renew their their marriage anybody who's in marriage encounter has a little, little secret with each other and you you send them a one ring phone call and all that i found really interesting and candy herself the psychology of her, I, I think they did very well exploring. Is she psychotic? Did she have a psychotic break? Because it's real, I can see this. She did not get incarcerated and she went on to live a, a happy life, ironically, as a mental health counsellor. So this was a one-off in her life. What took her to that moment is very different from a serial killer or a, mm. you know somebody like that. I thought the performances are the best part. There is something weird about the fact that it's about couples who end up, you know, having affairs with friends they know. And uh, the real-life husbands of Jessica Biel and Melanie Linsky are in it. Justin Timberlake and Jason Ritter play the police who investigate it, which I thought, oh, that's a bit weird. <laughs> Definitely the, the performances and, and the style. And as you say, maybe a bit of a different slant on... This is very much a why done it because this isn't someone who is compared to the character in the next thing, like has got those tendencies, very much a moment of madness. And, and you know, there is that intrigue there. I've got so much to watch that this wouldn't be something that I might go back to. Um, Mo as well, it did get me thinking about one that we talked about earlier in the year, the thing about Pam. Candy is on a much higher scale than that thing about Pam. Ooh, ooh, you're giving me flashbacks now. <laughs> I, I mean... It, didn't go back to that then, did we, Mo? No, no, no. I, I didn't. Even though I, I think Candy is a technically sound show, it's not something that I gravitate towards. But the fact that it... You know, if I had more time, I would perhaps consider coming back to this. Just because, again, so many of the performances are really well done. It's certainly something that I think that if you are a true crime fan, you could do a whole lot worse than watching Candy. All five episodes now up on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we move now to uh, Peacock, uh, which is a thing in this country, even though most people don't know that they've got it. It's there, um, I believe, with a Sky subscription. This is also on Now, which is still weird to say. Um, <laughs> this is a friend of the family. It is uh, based on um, the events involving the Brobogue family. There was previously a documentary called Abducted in Plain Sight. We now have a, a dramatised version, as I said, created by 
Nick and Tosca, who was one of the writers on Candy. And uh, Mo will be running us through just some of the basics of this story. Friend of the Family starts off in 1975, Pocatello, Idaho. Then we quickly flash back a few years earlier. We get an inside peek of the Broberg family and the main child protagonist of the series, Janet Broberg. Hendrix Yancey is the younger younger Jan Broberg. The older one is played by uh, McKenna Grace. Her parents are played by uh, Colin Hanks, who's Bob Broberg, and Anna Paquin plays Marianne Broberg. Really, I think the first few minutes does a really good job of introducing the Broberg family, explaining their dynamic. Like the Montgomery and the Gore families from Candy, there is a deeply rooted faith aspect. And this is how they end up meeting the Birchtold family, um, who in their lives become uh, intimately intertwined. The Brobergs go over to meet the uh, Birchtolds and the head of the Birchtold family, uh, Bob. They like to call Bob Birchtold B or Brother B. And he quickly seems to gravitate or take on this interest in Janie, as they like to call uh, Janet Broberg, and uh, this sort of interest in Mary Ann Broberg. And you get these long gazes on both of those characters from Brother B's perspective, which really quickly makes you feel a little bit creepy. It, It makes you feel a little unsettled. The episode then spends a bit of time with these sort of vignettes showing the interconnection of the Broberg and the Birchtoll families. And you see Bob Broberg, this sort of jealousy sort of creep and seep in as he see uh, Brother B get closer and closer with his eldest daughter and his wife to the point where you sort of get these inciting incidents where uh, Brother B has started to take this interest in, in, in Janie. He's, he's interested in giving her uh, horseback lessons, which leads to this conflict between Marianne and Bob. Uh, Bob is like, no, he really wants to exude his authority over this family and, and show that he leads this family. And uh, Marianne is willing to give in. And ultimately what happens is Janie is supposed to go to a horseback riding lesson with uh, Brother B, but she never makes it there. Uh, the Brobergs are really concerned. Brother B's wife, Gail, comes over. You learn a little bit more about uh, Brother B's mental health issues, and you find out what happens to Janny. Tonally, it feels very different from Candy, but again, like Candy, you get enough information to really want to go on this journey with this family to find out what happened to the Broberg. Now, spoiler, Janet Broberg, she provides like an adult version of Janet Broberg comes out and and kind of sets things up a little bit at the beginning of the episode. So spoilers, you do know that uh, Janet Broberg does make it out alive. Something you said, it really sort of sums up what I feel about it. When you said that the the, the shots of Janet from Brother B's point of view, I felt so uncomfortable watching this in a way completely different from Candy. Partly, obviously, because it is a child, but also it just it seemed to do a lot of the male gaze onto the the twelve year old girl. I watched two episodes because 
with this story, because the, it's already been made into documentary, to me, the, the thing is, you want to know how did this family allow this man to have so much contact alone with their daughter voluntarily? And it isn't explained at all in the first episode. It's just, oh, look, there he is out having ice cream with Janie. So I did watch the second episode, which focuses a lot on the actually abduction on Brother B and uh, Janie while she is uh, with him for, I think it's 23 days or something she's with him. I didn't like how much it focused on that because, yes, there, there are elements of it that are fascinating. The fact that Brother B uses UFO interest to convince Janie that what they are doing is for the best of humanity and she has to go along with him and, and be his companion but it felt voyeuristic, that, that's the main thing I felt. And what I wanted to know is how it got to that point, to me that was the most interesting part. We know why Brother B wants to abduct Janie and, and to me the story is her parents and why they let that happen, how they let that happen, the psychology of it. And I think it's let down on that side. Although uh, really good performances from Anna Paquin and Colin Hank, but it felt very uh, superficial on the, the top of the story when I wanted to know what went on before that. So, I, I mean, I didn't enjoy it as much as Candy, I'll say that, definitely. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that, Dawn. It all just felt a bit beige to me. I don't know if that's a, a yeah. good descriptor. Whereas, you know, the the interiors and the and the world of Candy felt more alive. I know it's a few years prior. It's seventy four rather than eighty. Again, it's suburban life. Um, Mo, obviously, you mentioned it was in the church. This is uh, the Mormons again, who we have, <laughs> we're having a lot of. <laughs> yes. There are no murders in this, but you know we've had under the banner of heaven and sins of the mother already this year, and now and now this. So it's a you know it's a bit harsh on the Mormons 2022 so far in terms of the TV we've been watching. You know the questions you were asking, Dawn. I know I only watched the first episode, but I think I got that in terms of what he did. Brother B was work on Mary Ann because she saw him as this charismatic new guy in the street she's got an older husband i think colin hanks is a few years older than anna paquin and he's around the same age jake lacy he's more exciting there's a scene where you know colin hanks talking to anna paquin and then suddenly jake lacy appears and she brightens up all of a sudden from being and i think you see that he specifically says bob her dad that he doesn't want jan going to this horse riding thing he's got it all set up that they're going to do a puzzle that evening together as a family and it's him sort of seeing that vulnerability that he can work on marianne and get in there and convince her to let the daughter go with and i i, I think i got that and plus obviously you know there's inbuilt sort of trust in that community of the church as well i think and these are people who only live a couple of blocks over and they established quite quickly that the families are quite close when it gets darker i didn't get the intrigue there really i you know you know what's going to happen it's a bit slower you know they lengthen things out maybe more than they should have done the story sort of slows down for me i liked the performance by leo tipton as well as uh, brother b's wife i think when she gets the phone call she realizes something's up straight away and 
you know, she tries to stick up for her husband. And actually, I quite liked that performance in that episode. And it made things a little bit different towards the end of that episode. But I wasn't at all intrigued to carry on. I didn't think it looked particularly dynamic. I think they thought the story would be enough. I think maybe because this is nine episodes rather than five, they have to sort of hold some things back. And again, you know, not to sound gruesome, but because there's no sort of murder in this, it is very much a kidnap. It's not maybe got that much of a sensationalist aspect as, you know, something like Candy, for example. I think that part of the color palette issue that you brought up, Matt, there was much more of a drabness in terms of the color versus Candy is I think that there's a simplicity with the Brobergs that you don't get with the Montgomery family or even the Gores from from Candy. There's really not a whole lot of excitement. I mean, the families were sitting around the television watching the Waltons, like you've mentioned before, about doing a puzzle and so forth. It is a stereotypical depiction of a very religious family, particularly probably back during during that time period. So so I can understand the drabness. And, and I also think that it helps set those two shows apart because with Candy, it, it should be vibrant. It should be popping because, you know, Candy, that character itself, she's just so out of control and things are just just happening to her left, right and center, where this is a bit more slow and a bit more methodical. I really want to point out, I think. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Colin Hanks does a really fabulous job as Bob Broberg. He literally disappears with that. You do not see Colin Hanks. I mean, the hair and everything. You just really have to stare at I his I saw face. a bit of Tom Hanks, if I'm honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. But, but that's a good thing. Brother B is exciting. He's talking about horseback riding. You know, he's he he he's very charismatic. Oh, puzzles aren't exciting, though. No, you know, <laughs> stop with this puzzle erasure. I wouldn't necessarily criticize a friend of the family for looking drab where i would criticize is i do agree that maybe they could have sped things up a little bit but again the fact that they have nine episodes versus five to tell the story i i can understand why it's 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 slowed down a bit i mean dawn you're not going to continue with this one you didn't like the way it was sort of portrayed i think you know at the start the real john gives an introduction and Mm. says we've made this because we want people to know it can happen to you and I think obviously I wouldn't say this exactly 100% but I think it's very unlikely to happen these days people are much more aware of pedophilia and, mm. and you know uncomfortable relationships between men and, and if they have an interest in you 
So I think it wouldn't happen so much and the situation wouldn't arise. I think we're all much more aware of these things. So it feels like, well, that isn't really why it's been made. You know, most people yeah. are going to watch this for a voyeuristic reason to go, wow, how on earth did this happen? You know, this child is abducted not once but twice. I think basically watch the documentary is what I would say. Watch, and they wrote a book um, as well, I believe. Yes. The mother yeah. and the yeah, and even after that, things came out. So I, I think the documentary does a better job of explaining the story and how everybody was involved in it without this nine-episode drama. I have to say also, the, the little girl that plays Janet is uh, outstanding, so good, and a very difficult job. But yeah, no, I don't think I'll, I'll watch the rest of this. But so That I'm is saying. a damning indictment. <laughs> <laughs> Dawn puts down a TV series. And Mo, are you are you similar or? I would if I had time because I do find this a bit fascinating. And again, probably because Anna Paquin, Colin Hanks, I'm familiar with McKenna Grace, so I know in terms of the acting front, it's solid. We ultimately know the outcome of the story. It's not something I feel like compelled that I need to again go back and watch because i pretty much have all the information that i need so yeah that is all up on peacock now a friend of the family i believe first three episodes are there sorry at the moment and i think it will probably be weekly uh, episodes uh, from then on just something we forgot to mention as well on candy or i forgot to mention was that they are doing another adaptation i believe of the same story luke mentioned that to yeah. us last week which which seems very bizarre that someone's adapting the same story. Elizabeth Olsen playing her in the other version. Mm. Just seems strange that you would do two versions of the same story, especially this close together. Right, so we switch from the world of true crime to the world of horror, I suppose. Those of a squeamish disposition look away now as well. <laughs> I would say um, spoilers from this point on as well. I don't think we can talk about Certainly let the right one in, but by spoiling a, um, a plot point later on, I think we need to talk about. But this is an adaptation of, I'm going to try and pronounce this name. I know Dawn's better at pronunciations than me. John Ajvid Linkvist's novel. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first adaptation he wrote the script for is a 2008 film, which is absolutely excellent. It was then adapted into a um, 2010 film in the English language, Let Me In, uh, directed by Matt Reeves. We now have this TV adaptation. It follows the lives of Mark Kane and his daughter, Eleanor. Uh, when Eleanor was 12, she was transformed into a vampire, I suppose is the best way of saying it. And then in the ensuing 10 years, Mark has been searching uh, for a cure moving around North America. Every time it appears that there might be sort of a rumoured vampire attack, he thought he thinks maybe I'll be able to find out what caused this and cure my daughter. Uh, Mark and, and Ellie move back to New York due to a spate of murders. They end up in the apartment next door to the detective who's investigating the murders, just as like you do normally. That always happens. Uh, that is Naomi Cole, who lives with her 12-year-old son, Isaiah, who's a bit of a, a dorky kid, he loves magic, he's got no friends, you know, he's got a deadbeat dad who pops up, who's a former addict. Unfortunately for Isaiah as well, it seems that he might be Eleanor's next meal. Um, she almost uh, devours him, but she's then entranced by a, a magic trick he performs for her, 
and a potential friendship is formed. Anyone who's seen one of the film versions knows that that's sort of the base of that is the friendship between the little girl vampire and the sort of the outsider little boy. Uh, but obviously with this being a, a TV adaptation, it is sort of lengthened out out of the sort of the key stories. We've got um, a subplot uh, looking at another person who was transformed into a vampire. This is Peter Logan. Uh, we learn later on that they were members of the same like space club, I think. Is that right? Like young space lovers which suggests that something happened to that group of children at the same time the opening scene uh we see peter logan with his father arthur who is like a wealthy sort of pharmaceutical guy it looks like he's trying to sort of reverse the curse as it were and peter is there standing as the sun rises and gradually and um, his face burns in quite a gruesome opening sequence which made we wince it appears that arthur's been trying to sort of formulate this cure for years uh, but he himself is now dying and calls on his daughter claire who is also a She's a doctor, I think, or a research scientist, something like that. Claire believed that her brother died years and years ago in a hunting accident. And he brings her to see him, who he's now completely disfigured from the sort of aforementioned burning. So it looks like these two stories are going to merge as we've got the two families looking for the cure to this event that happened 10 years ago. The whole state leaves them as the person they were as well. So... You know, Ellen has been 12 for the last uh, 10 years. There's also a story about a drug that's going round that gives people sort of vampire abilities briefly. So there's a lot more going on than there's sort of had in the original story, obviously, to beef this up. Were either of you aware of this story beforehand? Have you seen any of the films or...? I've not seen the films, but I knew the plot of it. It's one of those ones that I've always made to watch and just never got around to. Yeah, I was aware of it, but again, like I hadn't gotten around to watching mm. that that film. And and I, you know, I do like vampire shows. So, what about this one then, most You like your vampire shows? Because I know recently they've adapted um, Interview with the Vampire as well into a TV show. So like the candy thing, this seems like let's get all the vampire <laughs> films and books adapted into tv shows now what did you make of this well i mean again it was a bit of a a slow burn but this felt like a showtime show and in that you have this initial inciting event you do the the flashbacks and i appreciated taking time to get to know mark kane and eleanor figuring out what their regiment is because inevitably of course it's two young misfits quote-unquote who are going to find this unique relationship. I was really thinking that the subplot with the Logan family, with Claire Logan, her father, Arthur, I didn't know how they were going to tie that back in, but I think that they they really did a great job of tying it back in right in the last closing moments. And once you learn that connection between uh, Peter and Eleanor, honestly, it, in some ways, you can say that they're kind of borrowing from that Yellow Jackets template. You know, you could easily see they get a second season of this. They introduce other kids from that group who are also turned into vampires or whatever. But um, I would say it, this is very much an urban vampire story that's not really romanticized outside of a few things with vampire abilities. 
I expected Peter to like heal because, you know, in most of the vampire shows, you know, unless they're killed or whatever, they heal quickly. I mean, this was very gruesome, a lot of body horror. It was it was less sensationalized than something like a True Blood or the Vampire Diaries or Peacock's Vampire Academy or whatever. I enjoyed this. I'm kind of on the fence about whether or not I want to continue. There, There's definitely a curiosity there. What, what I should say as well is this is on Paramount Plus. The first episode is up there now, and it is going to drop a new episode every Saturday. Dawn, what about you? What, like, Mo, are you a, a vampire uh, fan? Uh, vampire yeah, yeah. media fan? I, I really enjoyed it. It is a very unusual take. As, as Mo said, you know, it's not focusing on the vampire culture you know the rich people the sexiness like you get with true blood it's a much more realistic and down-to-earth and sad version of it because you know a lot of times they you know they focus on a a human person and and they're the vampires and the enticing of them to join them or resisting as in uh, Buffy (laughs) or you know the sexiness of Angel and Spike but focusing on a child and the, the scene where she almost eats Isaiah, but then she stops because of the uh, magic trick. I thought that was a brilliant way to show that she still has childhood innocence. It was very quiet and mm. slow. I, I thought it was a very gripping way to take us in. And, you know, introducing the, the other aspects of the story, the police aspect, in a way that feels a bit, oh, you have to have a police person in every every show these days. But uh, I, I really like that, and I really like emphasis on finding a cure. There was a 90s Canadian show I used to watch called Forever Night, and that was the only other one I, I remember seeing where there was a prolonged focus on the vampire wanting to find a cure rather than just, you know, I want a soul or whatever, <laughs> like um, like Super uh, Spike. But, I, I, yeah, I thought it was very interesting to take it. I only watched one episode, but I will definitely watch the rest of the season. I think there is only one episode you can yeah. watch, though, Dawn. To be fair to Dawn, <laughs> she couldn't have watched any more episodes. I couldn't watch any more. <laughs> <laughs> we cut her off at one. And I think it was the you same did. with Wreck as well. You couldn't watch any more episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, maybe because I am aware of the original, you know, I've watched the original film, which I think is excellent. The remake was a bit... was. It was an American remake of a of a foreign film, like most most of them are. Uh, but it, it did have some fine performances in that one. Cody Smith McPhee and Chloe Moretz was the vampire in that. Here, I did like some aspects of it. I thought again, pronunciation town is it Demam Bashir as 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 Mark? Absolutely fantastic. I I think he's an excellent actor. He brings a real sort of world weariness to the part. The first time we meet him, he is on a train going to New York and there's a scene where a girl comes up to him to ask him to buy some of the um, the girl guy cookies and he says, is this is it the same price as it used to be? And, and the mum of the girl says, oh, you know, how old is your little girl? And we don't know the context there, but I loved that little scene. Once you're sort of in it a little bit more, it lost me a bit. I think some of the dialogue was very clunky. The interactions between the police officers didn't work for me at all. That was all a bit, you know, it it didn't feel real. The other bit that I thought the dialogue was very clunky was between 
the Logans as well, Claire and, and Arthur, um, you know, when she's saying how much of a bad daddy was and things like that. I mean, Grace Gummer, who is Meryl Streep's daughter, I mean, she didn't inherit much of her mother's <laughs> abilities, did she? And I just read as well, she's married to Mark Ronson, you know, the more you know. So. Oh. Um, she doesn't really need to work, does she? She's just got that Ronson money coming. No, I thought she was definitely the weak link here. I thought her performance was woeful. I think it works best when it is focused on the bits from the book and the relationship between Ellie and Isaiah is, is, the, is the main thrust of the story. And I think as we get that and we'll get more of it, I think that is going to be the heart of the show. But I just found it all a bit gloomy. As Mo said, it's that sort of that showtime feel. I, I felt the same when we were watching The Man Who Fell to Earth and I felt that was all a bit dry. I found it quite slow in places in a, in a, in a bad way. Clunky dialogue, clunky performances. And I don't think it really sort of showed what the story is about because again, because we're serialised, because we're a TV series, we can't you know, show too much too quickly. So this was a lot of background, a lot of new stuff. The writer of this I looked up and he is uh, called Andrew Hinteraker, Hinteraker, and he did a, a TV show I've never heard of before called Away with Hilary Swank. Mo, did you watch this? It seems like it that would be up your street. It's a space thing that was on Netflix. Yeah, I did watch that. I didn't cool finish thing. it. Um, <laughs> it didn't take off for me. <laughs> nice thanks Mo. i mean i think i think you guys have been more positive than a lot of the reviews like mo's review there of away were very punny you know it lacks bite it lacks fangs it runs out of juice i've read all of those reviews today do you think it benefits the fact that we haven't seen the film yeah because you're getting that fresh sort of take on it perhaps you don't have that comparison to the, the prior performances i actually thought the way that they did the isaiah character was quite intriguing and and quite new and i thought his mum was really harsh on him as well like you know she was horrible mo i feel like you liked magic as a child i don't know why no i did not like magic as a child i i was obsessed with comic books and i'm still obsessed with comic books so that was my thing i'm taking this as i know black women this is what they ingrain into their son. You know, you've got to do what you need to do to survive. Sometimes you got to, you know, not make yourself a target. So that felt really real to me. So I, and even though she's harsh, it's coming from a place of love and concern mm. and wanting to keep her child safe and alive, particularly because she's a police detective and she knows how gruesome and horrible things can be in a large metropolitan uh, city. Isn't there an inbuilt issue with this? this as a series and that the girl playing Eleanor will grow up you know when she hits puberty and or suddenly grows a foot how on earth are they going to deal with that maybe they're not <laughs> thinking that far ahead plus maybe it's a self-contained one-off I don't know I don't know how, yeah. how they're going to end it because obviously they're I think 10 episodes they're obviously trying to stretch this book over over the 10 episodes and they're additional whether they're going for we want to be another series or not who knows but that would be an issue all right and all the vampire shows you've been talking about guys no one's mentioned the best vampire show which is what we do in the shadows so you know a bit of a ranger there again for me this show was one whole energy vampire i i did it just didn't, it didn't grab me um so that is um weekly on paramount plus episodes on a Saturday. We finish with BBC Three show, 
I would believe that this is all going on on the iPlayer, and it's airing Sunday Mondays uh, on BBC Three. So the opening scene of Wreck introduces us to Pippa, who we see having a fight with her boyfriend Danny on the cruise ship where they both work. She stomps out on him. There's a very odd allusion to her being on her period as well. She finds herself confronted by a knife-wielding figure dressed up in a duck outfit, which, again, is a a recurring theme here. I believe was the mascot of the cruise company, Valurum. Opening scene culminates with Pippa telling the figure that she's not going to give in to them, and she jumps from the ship rather than, than being stabbed. Three months on, we meet a bunch of new recruits uh, to the ship. Amongst them is Pippa's brother, Jamie. He's posing as his friend, Cormac. Cormac was init- initially was hired to be part of the crew, so he could be alongside his then-girlfriend, uh, Rosie, who is one of the dancers on the, on the ship. Jamie's trying to investigate what happened to Pippa because the story that is being told by the company is that she uh, committed suicide... She is missing, presumed dead, so there, there was no body. He starts questioning her old friends about what happened. He meets Danny at this weird after-hours party that they all have and asks him some, some quite personal questions. There's also issues for Jamie when Cormac turns up on the ship. He's sort of like the, the comedy figure here who has split up with Rosie but wants to try and get her back. Um but Danny, we soon learn, sort of turns from suspect to victim when he's set upon by the same uh, knife-wielding maniac in the duck suit, gets thumped uh, with a dumbbell, and his lifeless body is then dragged into a secret passageway secreted within the ship. This is another sort of horror thriller that BBC Three have been known to do over the years. We I remember have the fades and in the flashback in the day being human. Uh, a few weeks ago, Dawn, I know me and you reviewed Red Rose, which is very similar in terms of young cast. This is being built more as a comic thriller as well, but I didn't get a lot of comedy from this. So, Dawn, what, what did you make of it just generally? I don't know if I was in a, a bad mood or something, but um, I found it confusing. There was a lot unexplained, but not in a thriller-esque unexplained. The the cast is really good. The, um. Thaddea Graham, who was it was Belle and Doctor Who, I really liked her and uh, Amber Graffy, I think it is, who was in the the baby. She was the lady sister, but I just I thought it included some of the good sort of thriller tropes that you need, like when Danny is attacked and he's trying to call out. There's somebody at the end of the the hallway, you know that that mm. like at the start of Scream, you know when there's there's somebody within distance that could save you and they don't and when he's dragged away, somebody walks around just seconds later. I thought that was effective. I think, like, as you say, you know, the comedy wasn't comedy enough to work. And it just felt a bit, I can't even explain it. It just didn't work for me. I, I felt it was messy. That's the, the word. Mm. You know, that when Jamie is going around asking about his sister completely openly, there was no attempt for him to be subtle and, he just was asking, but yet he's supposed to be this other person. He's supposed to be this other person for I suppose it's believable that he hasn't really got a plan. He's just, he's acting as you would if you wanted to try and find out what happened to your sister. He's, he's not pretending to be any sort of master. He's not Lupin, for example. He's just like some lad. I don't think maybe they gave you an, enough motivation, perhaps, of the characters. You know, I, 
unfortunately, comparing it to Red Rose because it was so recent, that the characters in that, in the same amount of time, you sort of knew their motivations, knew why they were doing what they were doing. This all felt very on the surface. You know that you've got um, Jamie saying, Pippa basically raised me. My dad didn't really want to know. My mum passed away. And it was all just like, I'm reading off my character biography rather than actually basing this in any sort of reality. The same with Thaddea Graham's character, Vivian. You know, she has a, a similar relationship with her family and those two bond over. But every, every sort of bit of plot is delivered clunkily. Every sort of character moment I felt was delivered clunkily. And then you have like the comic moments, you know, when they are introduced to the captain and she basically tells them, you're here to work, you're not here to have fun. The bit where they show them the video of the cruise company, I think that's meant to sort of elicit a laugh, but there was nothing here for me. I know it's, I think it is a new writer as well. This is his first uh, TV drama. And I think you can tell from the things that, that go on here. I, I it, it really did not work for me. You know, even if it, it does lend itself to the binge model, you know, it's a, it's basically a slasher done in, in six parts, really. Mo, what about you? Did you did you feel any differently? To me, the clunkiness was the charming part of this because it, it really plays into it. So you're disarmed immediately because you see someone dressed in a duck costume with a knife running around trying to kill someone. I mean, that happens so- in, in the UK all the time, Mo, you know. <laughs> Mascot deaths are up year on year. Weirdly, it felt like old school BBC Three. I'm like thinking pram face kind of humor with some of these characters. But weirdly, I was just thinking when I was watching this, it's this weird mash of S Club Seven and Black Mirror, and it just (laughs) felt like it was weird. Put that on the poster, BBC Three. S Club Seven meets Black Mirror. In a who done it? I mean, like, <laughs> I I enjoyed it. That was the thing. I mm-hmm. didn't. I wouldn't say that the acting was perfectly fine. Like you mentioned, the dialogue was clunky. It felt like someone literally sitting there reading off their script. But the thing was, the heightened mood. You know, even that ridiculous party that they had all felt like it came from a heightened environment that. Someone thought 20-somethings would act like this in a slasher film, but in some ways it feels like a throwback, but it's 2021, 2022. I mean... I think someone's watched a lot of below-deck Mediterranean as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It does what it's supposed to do. It's not supposed to be anything like the other three shows we've talked about Mm. on this episode. It's in a class all itself, but this will probably work really well in a binge sort of model where you're stripping across a few nights, but it's not something you're necessarily supposed to sit there and think about. It's you're just caught up in the moment. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I think maybe as well, Dawn, we, because we watch Red Rose, we've got that comparison there. And I think maybe that, that sort of, this is a bit more, I suppose it's a bit more silly maybe is what we're saying rather than, you know, it has got that sort of absurdist surrealist, thing running through it perhaps that's what what you're saying Mary, is that we shouldn't be taking it as seriously as some of its contemporaries but i just didn't it felt it missed the boat on several hey! <laughs> <laughs> on on sort of establishing 
what tone it wanted to set really for me i just didn't ever relax into it and and just sort of enjoy go with the plot go where it was taking me because i do like a stupid sort of slasher thing now and again but i just didn't feel like there was anyone in it i particularly wanted to follow i didn't find jamie particularly compelling and and the the, the stories weren't weren't really there for me but yeah so that will be all on the iplayer by the time uh, you hear this uh, so that's it another podcast done uh, thank you to uh, Dawn and Mo for joining me, even though they both had late nights. Is it nap time after this, guys? It really is. <laughs> I I can't. I've got a kickball match at in at in an in an hour and a half at noon. So you know I'm gonna go warm up for that after this. So that sounds you're far too energetic. Um, <laughs> I'm already putting my pajamas on. You can't really see. <laughs> Dawn's rocking a onesie. Yeah. But yeah, do you want to just run through uh, where we can find you, your Twitters? Uh, start with you, Dawn. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DawnGlen2 and the shipyard is the shipyard UST. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrMo77. And I am at Matt's TV Bites, the site at Luke Custard TV, the podcast at Custard TV Pod. Uh, as I said, you can find this podcast on all your podcast apps of choice. And please, if you could review us, we'd love to hear some feedback. Next week on the podcast, we will be reviewing Netflix's The Watcher and Somewhere Boy on Channel 4. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.